Welcome to NoSpinHomilies.com. I invite you to join me to reflect upon the homilies of Father Dan. Father Dan will challenge us to open our heart, mind, and soul to the Word of God. Father Dan will draw upon sacred scripture along with art, literature, and the lives of the saints to help us grow in our love and knowledge of the scripture. In doing so, we can become the living Word of God in this world. Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. In the Gospel for this weekend, we see Jesus making his first public appearance. We could say he's making his first day at work. Now, what he does basically sets the entire tone of his ministry. It sets the tone for his entire mission here on earth. Therefore, we need to tend to this gospel very carefully. Notice what it says at the very beginning. Jesus quotes Isaiah. He says, Land of Zebulun, land of Naphtali, the way to the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. Those dwelling in a land overshadowed by death, a light has arisen. Well, Matthew, he's quoting Isaiah. In fact, if you listen to the first reading, we hear exactly this from Isaiah. And so why? Why does Jesus make this quotation from Isaiah at the very beginning of his ministry? Well, it has to do with the fact that the Jews, the Jews in the ancient world, they read everything symbolically, whether it's geography or history or religion. Now, if you look at these two lands, Zebulun and Naphtali, you say to yourself, you know, what is symbolically important about them? Well, you have to realize these were two lands or cities that existed up in the northern area of Israel. In fact, they existed centuries before Jesus is even born, around the 7th century B.C. Now, what's so interesting about these two cities is that the Assyrians invaded the Israelite country. The Assyrians were a foreign country and invaded the Israelites, and they surrounded the towns of Zebulun and Naphtali and were prepared to invade and sack and destroy the city as well as the people. And so this was a very dangerous time. It was a darkened area. It was an area overshadowed by death. And that's what Jesus is getting at here. But notice what he says. The Messiah will appear first in this place, a place that's overshadowed by death and despair, a place of hopelessness. And so what are we to take of this? Well, at the very beginning of Jesus's ministry, He's telling us a clear fact of what he will do. In the midst of places that are overshadowed by death in the world that was the time of Jesus, the Messiah will appear and he will stand with us as a means of hope, as a means of strength, as a light in the midst of darkness and despair. What we have to realize is our God is a God that doesn't hover over us or is detached from us. No, in fact, just the opposite. Our God is a God that stands with us, shoulder to shoulder. In the midst of our struggles, that's where our God can be found. To do what? To be a beacon of hope. In the midst of our despair, he gives us the courage and the strength 
and the promise that no matter how bad things may get in our life, we will persevere because God is with us. If you look today in our present world, you see a lot of lands that are overshadowed by darkness in many ways. You look at the war on terrorism and all the innocent people that have become victims of terrorism. Just look in our own country. You see, you see police officers in many cities that are ambushed, shot, and killed. Take it to a personal level. You know, many of us have struggled with challenges in our life. You know, we have had those moments of in which we felt a sense of hopelessness or despair in many different ways. Maybe an unexpected diagnosis. Maybe the death of a loved one. Maybe strained relationships or the fear of unemployment. Or maybe depression, anxiety, whatever it may be. You know, the Zebulun and Naphtali's are symbolic of the dark days that sometimes we existed in, in which we felt a sense of hopelessness, despair, a period of dark times in our life that Jesus is describing in the prophet Isaiah. Well, here's the good news. Our Messiah stands with us. He's not estranged from us. He doesn't abandon us, especially during the dark times in our life. No. In fact, more than ever, our Messiah stands with us. He stands to be a beacon of hope when all seems hopeless. He stands to be a source of strength when all seems to be in despair. He stands to be a great light when all seems dark in our life. See, that's the message that Jesus begins to communicate, the very start of his ministry. Now notice what he says to the people. He says, repent. Well, that's exactly the message that John the Baptist said too. Now realize, Jesus is no sugar daddy. Jesus wants to bring salvation, yes, to all of us. And yet, we are challenged by that. What do we have to do? We have to change our ways. Well, if we are engaged in selfishness, jealousy, bearing grudges, you know, if our lives are dominated by a certain passion, what we have to do is change our life. You know, Christ comes into our life, well, if he really does, then we have to hear that voice and heed it. We have to be challenged to change. I would argue that change is good. It's basically in the midst of resisting that evil in our life that we grow stronger in holiness. And that's exactly what Jesus wants. We can't say that Jesus is at the center of our life and not change and be stuck in our old habits. We can't acknowledge that Jesus is the Lord of our life and not be compelled to change, to be a better person. I always say a good spiritual litmus test to see how you're doing in the spiritual life is ask yourself this simple question. Am I the same person I was a year ago, two years ago? Hopefully you can say, no, I'm not. I'm a little bit more patient. I'm a little bit more charitable. I'm a little bit more forgiving. And see, Jesus tells us to repent. Why? So that we are properly ordered, so that we are properly disposed to receive his friendship as well as his mercy. Now notice next, he walks along the beach and he's watching people. He sees Simon, Peter, and Andrew. Now, where else do we see God walking in easy fellowship with us? Well, in the story in creation, in Genesis, before the fall of Adam and Eve, it says 
that God walked in easy fellowship with Adam and Eve in the cool evening of the garden. See, that's exactly the relationship that God wants from us. And that's what Jesus, his whole mission is all about, to restore that friendship between us and God. St. Thomas Aquinas once said, the essence of the spiritual life is to cultivate friendship with God. What does sin do? Sin, from the very beginning with Adam and Eve in the fall of grace, sin breaks up that friendship. And yet, Jesus is here to restore that, first and foremost, by repenting and then conforming our lives to him. Now, he's watching these two brothers, Simon Peter and Andrew. Now remember, the Bible is originally written in Greek, and the Greek word that is used for Jesus watching the two brothers, when he translated to English, it means he was studying, he was looking at them attentively. Well, God is seeking communion, friendship with us, and he does it attentively. Now, notice what he says to the two brothers. Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. He doesn't say to them, you know, believe in my teaching. He doesn't say, you know, accept my theology. He doesn't say, accept my way of life. What is he really saying to them? Well, it's a personal invitation. He's saying to them, conform your life to me. Think the way I think. Act the way I act. Now notice, the first thing Jesus says, repent, which means order your life towards me. And the second thing he does is he extends friendship, friendship between us and God. What do we have to do? We have to conform our lives to him. A good analogy would be snow. You see footprints in the snow. What do you try and do? Well, you try to step in those footprints and you try and walk in those footsteps. Well, if the footsteps have a long stride to them, what are you going to do? You're going to take long strides yourself. See, that's exactly what Jesus is telling the apostles and us, that we have to conform our lives to him, walk in his footsteps. Again, what does sin do? It disrupts that friendship. Sin scatters us away from God. That's why division is a clear presence of sin in any organization or anything in our life. That's why the devil, the Latin word is diabolos. It comes from the Latin root word diabolon, which means to scatter. One of the titles of the devil is the scatterer. And yet, what does God do? Just the opposite. He gathers, doesn't he? And that's what he's telling Simon Peter as well as Andrew. They will become fishers of men. What do fishermen do? Well, they gather fish into a net. Well, that's exactly what the apostles will do. And it's exactly what the mission of our church is. 2,000 years later, to this day, our task of our church to gather people back to God. One last thing to think about. It says that Jesus was looking attentively at Peter and Andrew. Now, this is not something by accident. Jesus' attention was focused on those two brothers. Then he called them, and the brothers responded, and they left everything, and they followed Jesus. Well, God took great delight in them. St. Thomas Aquinas, when meditating upon this gospel, he said, Jesus looked attentively at Simon Peter and Andrew and smiled with great delight in their simplicity of their lives. St. John on the cross once said, 
Imagine God looking at you attentively and smiling with delight. Well, that's exactly what Jesus did with Simon Peter and Andrew. He saw them, he studied them, and he smiled with great delight. Well, we should imagine God looking at us every day of our life, attentively studying us, and then smiling with great delight in us trying to live out our faith to the best of our abilities every day of our life. Friends, strongly encourage you, take some time this week, reread this gospel. It's the very beginning of Jesus' ministry. It sets the entire tone of his mission. And imagine Jesus looking at you each and every day of your life, attentively studying you and smiling with great delight. And may the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.